If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is the Glass Tire podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Saradet. I'm Jessica Fuentes. And today we are closing out the summer. Um, if hopefully the summer will come to an end uh, for us here in Texas, we are closing out the summer with a discussion on. Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's 2023 film, Barbie. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, it is early to mid-September. The film has been out for a couple months. You may have seen it. It's been very successful at the box office. And I just thought that it would be a great way to touch on where we are culturally at the end of summer 2023. And so we'll start by just discussing our personal motivations for seeing the film. And I know why I was interested to see it, Jessica. What made you want to go see the movie? Yeah, so when the movie was first announced, it was definitely not on my list of things I wanted to do this summer. Um, I was never really the kind of person who had Barbies, played with Barbies, was interested in Barbies. And as a mom raising two girls, Barbie was never a toy that we had in our household. So it took me a little while to get on board with even wanting to go see the movie. But for me, my oldest daughter, who's a teenager, um, she brought it to my attention. She was interested in the film because of Greta Gerwig. Um, And I thought that was compelling. Uh, My oldest daughter is somebody who thinks a lot about feminism and about women's issues. And so the fact that she was like on board with wanting to see this movie sparked my interest and made me want to see it with her and to learn more about it. What about you? I feel similarly to you, Jessica, at least before the before I saw the film, um, Barbie is not a cultural touch point for me. I don't tend to try to see blockbuster films. There's kind of two points I want to touch on. One was the extreme cultural reaction to the film. It was uh, very successful and unsuccessful to different audiences. And I was just curious, um, how radical could it possibly be, given that it had such a huge commercial push behind it? There are over 100 promotional partners for the film. And then the second is a little more specific. Um, I've been reading The Burnout Society by Byung-Chul Han, who is a South Korean philosopher living in Germany. And um, I won't use the book as a framework for analyzing the film uh, because I don't think that's really appropriate for an audience that 
I can't expect to have read the book. Um, but I will say the book kind of outlines Byung-Chul Han's concerns that outsized expectations of achievement within society create societal depression. And I had an understanding that Barbie was some kind of parable or stand-in for like successful women in society before seeing the film. And I was just wondering if Barbie would encounter um, like limits to her own ability or something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And I think some critics have kind of touched on that a little bit, but after seeing the film, I don't think that's like exactly the central focus of the, the film, even if it maybe comes up in some character dynamics. But regardless, maybe we should summarize the plot a little bit. Yeah, I think that'll be helpful for our audience. So the film opens, it's narrated by Helen Mirren, and we start in Barbie Land, which is a fictional plastic world where uh, idealized versions of women and sometimes their partners, their male partners, I should say, um, inhabit this world where it's almost hard to describe. They're all kind of like paragons of their individual pursuits. There's a president, there's a scientist. Margot Robbie is called quote unquote stereotypical Barbie and she kind of, she's literally called that and she kind of embodies like what a stereotypically beautiful woman looks like and does. But it is a plastic world and like there's no running water and there's no real sense of physical like physics. And then stereotypical Barbie encounters existential thoughts uh, like that are very uncharacteristic for this world. They don't really have a sense of time. And uh, she's then thrust into a decision by the only Barbie in the world who kind of doesn't fit a clear cut like she doesn't have exactly like a role she's quote unquote weird Barbie she kind of lives in ambiguity and weird Barbie tells Margot Robbie that she has to go to the real world and find the girl that's playing with her Eventually, Barbie does so. She travels to Southern California with Ken, played by Ryan Gosling. And they realize that uh, the social structure of the real world is kind of like more chaotic and unfair and stilted in a completely different way than they're used to. At which point, they are found to be in the real world by the Mattel Corporation, who does not like this at all. Um, And... It's so complicated as you're saying it, yeah. In the real world, Barbie encounters both um, a mother-daughter pair that are psychically linked to her, and Barbie is also confronted by the Mattel Corporation to um, literally go back in the box and become a mindless toy again. After Barbie and Ken return to Barbie land, Ken has imported like male patriarchal ideology uh, and we kind of come to realize that 
Ken feels that in his world, Barbie land, he doesn't really have a role. And he's learned that in uh, human society, men are actually the de facto household leaders, breadwinners. Um, They hold more capital, both socially and literally. And he teaches the other Ken, the other male dolls that, um, that is the life that is possible if they just kind of take it, if they just kind of act that way. And then the female Barbies sort of fall in line to that ideology and they must be deprogrammed so that they can all return to the idealized Barbie land that they're used to, which is that women are all at like the height of their ability and success and men are really just superfluous fixtures that neither have clearly defined jobs or roles am i missing anything jessica no i think you did a really good job of covering the complicated nature of the story (laughs) so hopefully if if you're still with us um that gives you an impression of the different all of the like plot points of the film and the the central conflicts. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to talk about the conceit of the film because to me that is like the interesting thing the movie is doing. Um, and I also found it to be, I want to say it's more experimental than I was expecting. But I think some other critics have referenced um, ancient mythology that Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig relied on to write the film. Uh, The Pygmalion is one that comes to mind. To me, as I was watching the film, I thought how similarly uh, the conceit of this movie follows The Nightmare Before Christmas, which is similarly a high-concept musical in which a protagonist from a fantasy land um, becomes enthralled by the human world and tries to import that social structure back to uh, their fantasy land, and reality kind of falls apart. Oh yeah, that's a really interesting comparison. That hadn't dawned on me when I was watching the film, but as you say it, I can completely see it. I mean, I I think it must be some kind of uh, archetype of high fantasy cinema or storytelling. I don't I don't think that the Nightmare Before Christmas invented it, but if you kind of look at beat by beat, um, it's not perfectly identical, but the pattern is pretty much the same. Having said that, I found the conceit of Barbie to be convoluted and hard to follow at times. (laughs) Was that your experience, Jessica? To me, it wasn't necessarily hard to follow, but I wanted it to make more sense in the sense that, um, you know, Barbie Land has a relatively limited number of Barbies compared to the number of girls in the world who may be playing with Barbie at the moment. Um, and yet like 
we're supposed to believe in in the realm of the film that you know there's this one Barbie who's having this one existential crisis that's linked to you know one particular person in the real world. Um, so for me, that that was the hardest thing to kind of grapple with was um, where are all the other stories of all of the other um, experiences like this that must be happening simultaneously in a world as large as the one that we live in. Um, but, but beyond that, <laughs> um, I think that, um, I could let myself kind of put that aside and just fall into the, the fantasy of the film. I agree. Um, when constructing a, like a fantasy story where there is interplay between like a higher realm and reality, you can come up against problems of what you described, Jessica, which is the tension of what is one-to-one representative. In Barbie, the human women that we follow are, it, it's its just a couple people, and that's okay. This is a movie. We have to start somewhere. But there's something about the interrelation between all figures that kind of like, it seemed like the world didn't fully understand itself. And I... I think that it still got its moral across relatively well in spite of that. I found myself by the end of the film, like agreeing with it and like relating to it, even from some of my own personal experience, the person I went to see the film with um, expressed the same thing that their life experience generally was reflected in the film, that there are times and places where male social order can trample over anyone that doesn't adhere to uh, masculine patriarchal supremacy. And I think, yeah, sure, I, I don't really disagree with that. But then when I pick out the individual scenes, um, my experience of watching them pretty frequently was like, wait, how does this how does this define? reality either in the film or like from where the audience is sitting i just like got tripped up a few times it made me feel kind of like i was missing something so we've talked about you know the narrative structure of the film we've we've talked about some of the issues that we each kind of had with it um and we started with you know what drew us to the film personally but i think a bigger question is you know, why is this film so popular in this, in this moment, um, both in its, uh, praise, you know, from some and also, um, in the criticism. To me, I think that the reason that it has gotten so much, um, response, both positive and negative is, somewhat straightforward I say this as someone uh, like probably everyone listening to this I've probably interacted with the film as like a promotional campaign like a hundred times more than I have spent time watching the movie Um, it was a very long promotional campaign and I saw people online responding favorably to the representation that the film uh, looked like it was going to yield. 
the cast was sort of announced in like a rollout and people were really excited about that, shared it a lot. I don't really spend time on the part of the internet that criticizes this film heavily, uh, partially because those types of criticisms in general of feminist media products uh, tend to be difficult to endure. Oftentimes they're bad faith arguments anyway. Um, just so to say, I mean, most of the people that I know or the my experience of waiting for the film to come out was seeing people speak positively of it. I was surprised that people had such an appetite for a Barbie film. Um, I mean, Jessica, you and I both said at the top of this podcast, we didn't grow up with that kind of stuff, really. Like, I don't really identify with it. I don't uh, I don't love an all-pink color scheme for most <laughs> things. That's just not, like, my home is very beige. <laughs> uh, so I was a little surprised that people were really, really into it. Um, I was, I think anytime that happens with, like, a media property, if it is about women or focuses on women in any way, if it gains traction, like, earnest traction, I think that there's going, there's, like, a waiting reservoir of people to counteract that and say why actually it's terrible and awful. While I have read some criticism of the film that is, like, actually approaching it and trying to, like, think about it critically. Uh, I haven't read a lot of, I don't know, anti-feminist criticism. I haven't spent much time reading anti-feminist criticism about the film. I do think it's interesting how the film was able to bring in people like us who do not necessarily identify with um, Barbie and also people who love Barbie. And I think um, part of that was obviously in the decision to bring in somebody like Greta Gerwig to direct the film. Um, but also, as you mentioned, William, in the promotional campaign, um, you know, I love the the trailer that says, you know, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, this movie is for you. Um, and just their willingness to be aware of um, and acknowledge the criticisms of Barbie over the years um, was refreshing because I wasn't really sure what I was going to see at first. Yes, that that's a good point. There's a scene with Sasha, uh, the daughter of the protagonist, in the real world. The actress's name is Ariana Greenblatt, and her mother is Gloria, played by America Ferreira. And Barbie has just arrived in the real world, and so she walks up to this table of middle school, maybe early high school girls, and Barbie is just uh, very earnestly excited to talk to young children. And the and Sasha immediately retorts, like, we all hate you. We don't like you as a toy. We're not interested. Um, you know, Barbie has a legacy of, of reinforcing unrealistic body standards for women. Uh, these are the kinds of criticisms that Sasha is delivering to Margot Robbie's face. I was like, 
well, that's interesting that Mattel like allowed uh, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig, who wrote the film together, to take it to that territory. Um, Will Ferrell also, while like lovable and buffoonish, does not paint a like a positive caricature of a toy brand boardroom CEO type of person. They're very like, I don't know, they're just kind of like silly and empty headed and don't really and like have a singular goal. Um, and they flounder around while they try to even like locate Barbie. And just to be uh, clear for those who haven't seen the film, it is a boardroom full of men who are running an organization that says that they are trying to help girls and, and women. So I think that's also, you know, a very pointed thing that the film is doing. I agree. I think Will Ferrell or one of his subordinates says something like, some of my best friends are women. It's like that kind of a line. Um, and it's it's meant to be satirical. Um, and it's not that... Uh, these types of like internal criticisms have never happened in films before, like published by the very company that's trying to promote a product. It's just that this one seemed so content and like happy to poke fun at itself. And it was such a huge production. Um, I don't know. I think it just signals some kind of shift in the cultural zeitgeist that even the largest, most successful film release uh, contains some kind of introspection or something. I, I was relatively shocked at the kinds of jabs at Mattel that Mattel would have had to sign off on because it's a movie, you know? Right. But I, I do think that it's interesting and kind of telling about um, the moment of time that we're in in society, right? Like, over the last several years, there has been so much um, talk about and criticism against the idea of cancel culture. And I think really what most people want to see in the world is that when somebody makes a mistake, they acknowledge it, they apologize for it, and they try to do better. And to me, this film is Mattel doing those things. It's Mattel saying, look, we know that we had all of the best intentions with the original Barbie. And we realize that those intentions were misguided in some ways, and have created problems that we couldn't have foreseen. And we're trying to do better. And we've seen Mattel and Barbie try to do better for decades, right? With diversifying um, the kinds of Barbies that they are making, both with body type and racial and ethnic diversity um, and other things as well. And so to me, I, I think this is a really important film for this time, because maybe it can also be an example of how people can move forward when they do make large public mistakes. Do you mean that Mattel's goodwill making this movie 
trying to address the legacy of of their product serves as an example to like individuals i think both to other companies and individuals and to you know um personalities celebrities whatnot all of the above that's an interesting point and one thing i like was interested in bringing up during this discussion was the almost like a a blueprint or example the film lays out for gender roles or gender dynamics I think what's interesting about the movie is that Ken's internal conflict, which is that he doesn't really feel valued. Uh, He has like a vacuum of meaning in his relationship with Barbie. And so when they go to the real world, he sees, oh, I can just like be a boss and and be respected that way. And that causes problems in Barbie land, et cetera, et cetera. The film takes its course. But by the end of the movie, um, Barbie and Ken kind of reconcile that through like emotion and discussion. And neither of them, I felt like that end point to that arc had some of the most like complexity and nuance to it um, out of like, I don't know, the most frequent way that like men and women relate to each other in romantic films or films in general popular blockbuster films for sure um like because at the end of the film I I don't necessarily feel that either of them is completely resolved in what they're going to do about their relationship to each other but they are both settled that like they're not enemies and they can kind of change they can both have agency and independence um but that doesn't mean that they need to be enemies. And I just I just think that like that was maybe the most impactful like moral of the film that I was like I'm very happy to sign off on this. Uh I don't I don't know that like I've seen Marvel or DC comics movies that really care to develop that kind of interplay of gender dynamics. Well, and beyond the fact that they don't need to be enemies, they also very clearly don't need to be romantic partners, which, of course, for a film about women empowerment um, is an important and necessary, like, sidestep from the uh, traditional kind of plot line that we see. When I left the theater, I found myself wondering um, how the film would age more so than I th- I tend to think after I watch a movie. And maybe that's because there's like such a large cultural zeitgeist around it now. And I'm just wondering if that will last or if it will transform. A couple of people that have seen the film told me that um, it really shouldn't have a sequel. They felt strongly that it needs to not have a sequel and that they, they really liked the movie and they felt strongly about what it accomplished, but they, they said, like, it, it really needs to be done. And I thought that was an interesting reaction for people to have. Yeah, I could see that thought process because I feel like so much today, um, when a thing is successful, then it becomes, you know, uh, serialized to be able to have more content to feed off of that. Um, so I could see the concern. And 
I mean, Barbie 2023 is the first film in an incoming Mattel cinematic universe. Um, I believe there, I've read that there are 45 films slated to come out in the next years under this Mattel umbrella. Uh, Some of the ones I could find announced were American Girl Doll, Barney, Hot Wheels, Polly Pocket, Thomas and Friends, Uno. Uh, I think one of the weirder ones was Viewmaster. Although I guess it's possible to make a movie around a, you know, a plastic implement that you click and it switches your view, your viewpoint. Um, even though that toy is like a little outdated with the advent of iPhones and iPads, which every child has now. I think maybe people were excited that the film, like, even though it's a large production put on by a corporation, they were touched by it and they like want to safeguard that a little bit. um, Knowing that there are other films planned in the, in the making uh, within the Mattel brand. I personally feel like I have this sneaking suspicion that, there's something about the movie that won't age well. And I don't know what, I can't exactly put my finger on it. Um, I think either our collective cultural attitudes around the morals the film gives will change, which is kind of inevitable. Or I think the sort of self-aware fourth wall breaking nature of Uh, the film will kind of like rapidly become outdated. Yeah, it's hard to say, but I I definitely felt that, you know, I enjoyed the film. I, I laughed, I cried, you know, I had all the emotions. Um, But also I found myself more often than not throughout the film feeling like this is really heavy handed. (laughs) Like it didn't need to be this, kind of like hitting you over the head with things. And so I already kind of felt that um, on the first watch. And and like I said, I enjoyed the film. I think it's important, but I probably wouldn't go back and watch it. I don't feel compelled to go back and watch it after having seen it once. That's what the person I saw the film with said. And they also, I may have mentioned earlier, they voraciously agreed with the film. They enjoyed it. They thought it was like a necessary lesson for the world to hear but he also said i just don't know that i ever need to watch that movie again um so it has this like incredible potency but somehow it like very neatly ties up what it aims to do and i guess we feel satisfied by that um all totally fine things. I just feel like there's some need to figure out what happens next because uh, we just spent a year waiting for this movie to come out, you know, and now it's over. It's like, what's what's next? What are we going to do about it? Is there anything the film doesn't touch on that you thought it would? I mean, I, I think one of the things that I was happy to see was... Uh, again, kind of the diversity of Barbies in Barbie land. Um, 
but then also very quickly the film kind of narrows in on stereotypical Barbie. Um, and I thought maybe we would see see more details about the other Barbies or learn more about them or about the kids that play with them or, or something. Um, it felt like a little surface level of showing us, yes, these various Barbies exist um, without giving us a whole lot. That's kind of one thing for me. What about you? I actually, that's a really great point. Um, The movie like sets up all, it like checks all of these boxes of like diversity, inclusion, and sensitivity. And then the structure of the film does just follow Margot Robbie. And there's a couple of times where it hits us over the head of like, of like, oh, Margot Robbie is maybe not the best example of a woman to put in a film about the unrealistic expectations of feminine beauty. Like the narrator says that in the film. And as like an arts writer sitting in the theater, I was like, yes, I know. (laughs) Like, I don't, you didn't have to like make her the person that gets the most screen time. Like, I mean, I'm not entirely mad at it. I understand there are constraints (laughs) to story, like making a story, but it's, I don't know. It's just kind of confusing. (laughs) Um, I'd like to close with a quote from a review I read that I thought summarized some of the things we're talking about quite neatly. Um, And this is Richard Brody in his article, Barbie is Brilliant, Beautiful, and Fun as Hell for The New Yorker, published July 21, 2023. And Brody writes, Barbie, in other words, is a film of politics, of culture, and by extension, of the need for a creative rebellion to reestrange the familiar for the sake of social change. And with that, we thank you for listening today. Um... If you've seen the film, let us know in the comments what you thought, if you enjoyed it, if you have any criticisms. And we'll be back in two weeks with another Art Dirt. Until then, be sure to check our statewide events exhibition calendar at glasstire.com. And if you're able to, go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.